Hi, I'm Jenny, and here are just a few things that are coming up here at Crossroads. Crossroads is dedicated to building up leaders in the community and having a positive influence in the world we live in. That's why we have partnered with Tri-State Leaders of Evansville to bring the Global Leadership Summit here. This two-day conference will be packed with leaders that will teach us how to be successful in our businesses and our lives as leaders. The Global Leadership Summit is August 11th and 12th, and we at Crossroads have a special price for our church family. Just go to cccgo.com forward slash events to find out more details about what speakers are attending and to sign up with our Crossroads discount. It's still summer, but we're getting ready for our fall kickoffs this year. There are a lot of changes that are happening, and we don't want you to miss out. Grade promotions will start the weekend of August 13th and 14th, so if your child is going from 8th grade to 9th grade, they will be able to be a part of the high school services and events starting August 13th and 14th. Middle school services are also going to change. Middle school will only have services on Sundays at both normal service times on Sunday, 9 a.m. and 10.45 a.m. in room 222. This means there will be no middle school services on Sunday nights. High school students have some changes as well. They are moving their services from Sunday nights to Wednesday nights from 7 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. The first service for this new timeframe for high school will be Wednesday, August 17th. We are excited to share with you some updates on what is happening at our Newburgh campus. We are in the midst of two major construction projects that will help us grow as a church. To help keep everyone updated, we will periodically share with you some things you may want to know. One of our projects is the expansion that is taking place on the southeast corner of the building. This will provide us with over 10 brand new classrooms that will be used heavily during our weekend services. This addition is just one phase of a plan that is needed in order to add our second story addition in the future. Our other project is the preparation of the land for Evansville Christian High School. They are moving a lot of dirt around to get everything level and then we'll start adding piers for the building. As construction happens, we will make sure to bring you updates along the way. For more information on these events and the many others that are happening at Crossroads, you can check your bulletin or go online to cccgo.com. Good morning, and thank you for being here. Go ahead and open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Uh, we're going to be in the Beatitudes, talking about the kingdom as has already been mentioned. I want to remind you that the vision of Crossroads Christian Church is to connect everyone everywhere to Jesus. Isn't that great? Now, during this season of our life, it may be stated like this. Our vision is connecting everyone everywhere to Jesus by multiplying leaders, multiplying campuses, and multiplying churches. But that first part is key. That's what anchors us. That's what makes us who we are. And in this series, we've been talking about God's kingdom. And kingdom is defined in this way, the kingdom 
of God is the reign of God where all creation is reclaimed and restored. One author writing about this particular section of teaching in Matthew called it the New World Order. In fact, Muhammad Gandhi, the great revolutionary who died in 1948 after having led India out of oppressive, almost dictatorial leadership, and who, because of his understanding, created many civil rights movements around the country, called Matthew, and he was Hindu, but Matthew 5 through 7 was the foundation of what he, he, he said, I love Jesus. And he loved Jesus because of his teachings, this, these teachings that we've been doing. You know, in life, I have learned, at least for me, I have learned that whether I've been a missionary, a chaplain, a pastor, or a counselor, whether I've just been a family member trying to help somebody, I'm in this journey between the hope that I have in God Almighty, Jesus Christ, His Son, and His Holy Spirit in me. I have a hope that, is, that anchors me like nothing else. But I'm on this journey between that hope and my reality. You understand what I'm talking about? As a chaplain at the hospital, I often viewed my work as I entered into a hospital room dealing with people who were going, undergoing enormous types of stress. And I, my goal was to walk with them between hope, to make sure that when I left there, they were more hopeful than when I went in. But also to acknowledge the reality of what they were facing. You know, I wish, I wish I were Patrick Garcia. I'd like to be 28 again. That's not my reality. I had a birthday this week. And, and I'm in my mid-60s. You know, I qualify for Medicare. I would love to be Patrick Garcia. Youth has its blessings. But right now, my hair either turns white or turns loose, and sometimes it grows where I don't want it to grow. <laughs> I can't see you without my glasses. I can't even read my Bible without my glasses. I need hearing aids, but I'm too proud to admit it. I've lost all my high-pitched hearing, and in fact, if you're talking with me, and I look like a deer in headlight, it's because I missed the first two words. I almost always in a crowded area or in a place where the acoustics are bad, almost always miss the first or second word of every sentence. So it's, it's not that I am ignoring you and that I don't respect you. It's just that I don't hear you. Okay, so be patient with me. That's just a part of my reality, my teeth fall out. The other day I was at the office and fortunately it was between two clients and I sneezed and one of my crowns went flying out across the room. <laughs> and I picked up the phone, Dr. Anosky. 
there's an emergency here. <laughs> Can I get this? You know, at my age, your skin doubles, your knees get replaced, and it takes a spreadsheet to keep up with all the prescription meds and amounts of those meds to keep this body going. Now, if you're Patrick Garcia's age, you don't know what I'm talking about, right? I would like to be that way again. That's not my reality. Here's what Jesus declares. Jesus declares that happiness is not about age, it's not about height, or for that matter, anything that is tied to this world, but it is about your heart seeing and trusting God. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. You see, this word happiness here is, is about, I mean, it, it's so chock full of meaning. It's daring, it's bold, it's supreme. It means being graced, it means being favored. It means blissful. It means finding your happy state of existence. It means your happy place. And it doesn't matter whether you're my age or whether you're Patrick's age. We all need the same thing. We need a pure heart. We need to be grounded in the kingdom of God, which is talked about a lot. He, he, he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. Blessed are they that are persecuted for righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom. If your righteousness doesn't exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these blessed things, all of this that makes us so different will be added to us. The kingdom is so important. In fact, Jesus said the opposite of this happiness, the opposite of this happiness is worry, and Jesus had to deal with it. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 27, he said, Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? If you're not experiencing this blessedness, then you're probably doing way too much worrying. And how many of you can add a single hour to your life by worrying? How many of us can add a single thing to our life by worrying? Nothing that is good comes from worrying. It really takes, it, takes away. But the kingdom of God causes us to be in that one of the authors that I was reading as I was preparing for this lesson trying to describe this word blessedness happy your happy place ever how you translate it trying to describe this word he says this word is a state not of your inward feeling as judged by yourself that I'm okay but it is a state of blessedness that is ascribed to you from the point of view of those who are judging you. Whoa. 
this blessedness is not, it, it's, it's something that others see in us. Matthew 5, verse 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your life, your deeds, your works, and glorify, praise your Father who is in heaven. This state of existence that God wants us to have is something that comes from being a part of His kingdom, seeking His kingdom, hungering for His kingdom, just not, it's not something we can have in and of ourselves. It's something that God does for us as we seek Him. Let's talk about the heart for a minute. You see, He says, blessed are the pure in heart. And we want to talk about the heart, the heart, that, that core of who we are. Our thoughts and motivations and imagination, that core existence of who we really are that includes both the mind and the feelings that includes our soul that includes everything here's some of the passages that deal with that psalm chapter 24 says it like this psalm chapter 24 who may ascend the mountain of the lord who may stand in his holy place the one who has clean hands and a pure heart and does not trust in an idol and anything else. You see, you can't see God if your heart isn't headed toward purity. Psalm 51 and verse 10, David, who had lost course in life, who had committed adultery, committed murder, committed deceit, committed dishonesty, who had been close to God, in the, in the bosom of God, David clamored to the Lord and begged of the Lord he said, create in me a clean heart. Many translations translate that pure. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. You ever felt like you were unstable? That unsteadiness, that precariousness that you feel is because the heart isn't pure. It isn't focused. It isn't, it, isn't, it isn't just seeking God like it should. James chapter 4, verse 8. James says it this way. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. The heart can't be pure if it has allegiances to more than one thing. Jesus would even say in Matthew chapter 6, he would say... Where your treasure is, there is your heart. Your heart can't be divided. God is an exclusive God. You can't trust in another idol, whatever that may look like it, in any day and time and age. But let me tell you one more thing about the heart. None of us in here today has a pure heart. Right? Anybody want to raise their hands if you do? Anybody in here have a pure heart? I'm, I'm, I'll be glad to meet you. 
But God sees our hearts as pure if we have been washed by the blood of Jesus Christ, his son. Isn't that absolutely amazing? That even though we don't have a pure heart, that God sees our hearts as pure because of not what we did, what he did for us through Jesus on the cross. Look at these words in 1 John chapter 1. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all righteousness. I am so glad that God has done and does for me. All of these verbs are continuous type verbs. He has done it, and he continues to purify me because I am not pure. In thought, in actions, I trip over myself all the time. The heart. But God sees us as pure because of what he's done. Does that make you want to live for him? Does that make you want to walk in the light? Does that make you want to have fellowship with those who are striving to do so? It does me. Let's talk about seeing God for a minute. When he says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. You see, there's a passage in, in Exodus chapter 33 where Moses is interacting in the, in the tent uh, where the Israelites are traveling and God, when the cloud comes over it and God comes and speaks to Moses, Moses kind of is feeling bold and he says, God, show me your glory. And the Lord God said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. No human being can stand the glory of God's presence. It's too much to bear. Think about Moses up on Mount Sinai when he was receiving the Ten Commandments. And his glory, God's glory was on, just in his presence. He didn't see his face. But his glory was so pristine, so profound, that as he walked down the mountain, he put a veil over his face to keep the glory from being seen just as you know, it was so they couldn't see his fading glory according to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. But the glory was there. It was so bright. 
Think about when Jesus was transfigured in front of the three disciples in the Gospels. And Jesus' face shone like the sun. And his clothes became as bright as the light from the sun. And it dumbfounded the disciples. And they started saying things that Jesus just sat back and laughed. The glory of God. Seeing God. We'll see his face one day, but it won't be in while we're in human form. Revelation chapter 20, Exodus, second book in the Bible. The last book in the Bible, the last chapter in the book, the last book of the Bible, chapter 22, verses 1 through 5, you run into these phrases. John is seeing things that no one has ever seen. He's been called up to see these things and to write these things and to share them with us, to give us hope. And John says, then the angel showed me, no longer will there be any curse. No more curse from sin because there won't be any sin there. They will see his face. Never happened again. Yes, hallelujah. Thank you. There will be no more night, no darkness, no enslavement, no more night. For the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. Just seeing his face and his presence will cause us to live forever and ever and ever ever hallelujah praise the lord we listen to me that's the promise blessed if you know that it changes you blessed are the pure in heart for they will see god because we haven't done it here on earth we get glimpses we can look into his word we find we see him sometimes in prayer like it just changes us. But to be in his presence and to see his glory, we can't take it as human beings. It would kill us. We'd fall over just like that. A few years ago, I was preaching a revival one week while I was working as a chaplain at St. Mary's, working during the day, preaching at night. Sometimes I overextend myself. Those of you who know me don't understand that. I was headed out to preach that night, and family called me and said, Brenda is on her last leg. She's at home on hospice. She had been a dear friend. We'd worked together at St. Mary's. We had prayed, talked, shared coffee breaks together. And... Uh, so I said, I can come in the morning before I go to work. And they said, sure, that'd be fine. Well, when I got through preaching that night, I just felt like I needed to go by there. So I called Susan. I said, I'm going to be late getting home. I need to go by and see Brenda's family. I got there on the east side of Evansville. And I walked into Brenda's room, hospice room, where she could look out and see her prayer garden. She raised up in the bed. And she said, oh, Coy, it's so good to see you. And then she just started waving, and she started, you know, and the cancer and all 
that had just brought her down to nothing, almost unrecognizable. So hard to see. And she said, Coy, it is so beautiful. It is so beautiful. And I said, what? And she said, it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. And then she'd say, he's so beautiful. And I'd say, who? And she'd say, he's so beautiful. He's so beautiful. And then she'd say, they are so beautiful. And I said, who is so beautiful? And obviously, she was seeing things that we typically don't get a chance to see. Compare that to a man 20 years ago when I was called into the hospital one night, coal miner. I walked into his room and he grabbed me and pulled me down on his bed and he said, have I been saved? And I said, I don't know. And he was in delirium with the pain and the cancer and the morphine. And I looked at his wife and I says, has this man been saved? And has he done anything to acknowledge God that you know of? She said, I've been married to him 32 years and we've never set foot in a church. I don't know. I said, do you know, can you call his mom? Is his mom still alive? Is somebody still alive? I said, this man is desperate. He's in agony. He needs some type of hope that at some point in time he acknowledged who God was. He knew he was dying. Blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God and it will be so glorious. Let's talk a little bit about trusting God now. Trusting God during the not yet reality of life here on earth. It's just tough at times, right? Every one of us have experienced it. We've got our own stories. There's that God making us pure in his sight through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. There is the promise of seeing God face to face where there will be no night, where all will be light and pure and pristine. But then there's the in-between. It's tough. I was reading Jesus recently. Luke chapter 7, I kind of got hung up there where he had just healed a centurion's son or a centurion's slave servant. Then he healed a, a widow's only son. She had already lost her husband. And now her son was, only son was dead and Jesus raised him from the dead. John the baptizer, his cousin and precursor is in prison. He's going to be beheaded later. And John hears about this, and, and John questions Jesus. And he tells his, two of his disciples, John the baptizer says, you go and ask Jesus, is he the one? Or should we look for another? You got your family, you got a peer, you got a fellow prophet who is questioning who you are. Dr. Augusto Curie, who's a psychiatrist, says, 
after studying all the most influential men of all time, men and women of all time, he said Jesus had the best psychological health of any person he's ever studied. Jesus is being questioned by people who are near and dear to him. Are you the one? Are you who you say you are? And then John in Luke chapter 7, look at this. Jesus says to his disciples, to John, the baptizer's disciples, you go back and you tell John what you've seen and heard. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. The good news is preached and proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. You see, Jesus is teaching will cause you to stumble. It's so radical at times. And I don't really like using that word, but sometimes it's the best word. Jesus says, you've heard, don't kill. I say, don't hate. You think if we had obeyed that as a nation, that we would have experienced what we experienced the last week in our country? Jesus says, you've heard that it was said, don't commit adultery. But I say to you, don't lust. Because hate comes from the heart. Lust comes from the heart. Nobody murders without first not having a pure heart and hating. Nobody commits adultery without first losing their pure heart and having lusted before they committed adultery. And then he goes on and on and on. And he talks about even your rituals of giving to the poor or your prayers or your fasting. If it doesn't come from the heart, you've already received your reward if you're doing it for the glory of men. The heart that matters. Jesus' teachings divide and there's another statement I love in Luke chapter 7 that Jesus, as he's telling his own disciples about John the baptizer, he says, For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you say he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and you say here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by all her children. Kind of a hard statement, right? What does he mean? Wisdom is proved right by all of our children. Wait things out. Do you realize patience is a virtue, right? It, it's a part of the fruit of the Spirit. Got that? It's even a part of the character of God. I'm thankful that he has patience or we'd all be zapped. He is long-suffering, not willing that any of us should perish, but experience salvation in him. So when you're trying to decide right, wrong, who's, who's doing the right thing, what's the best decision, wisdom is proved right by all of our children. Give it time. See if God's using it. See if God is in it. And then be humble if you were right all along. 
The movie Gladiator is my 32-year-old son's best film ever. He's only 16 years old, or the, the movie itself. And <clears throat> there's a scene in there that kind of captures what I've been talking about this morning. Check it out. It's somewhere out there, my country, my home. My wife is preparing food. My daughters carry water from the river. Will I ever see them again? I think no. Do you believe you'll see them again when you die? I think so. But then, I will die soon. They will not die for many years. I'll have to wait. But you would wait. You see, my wife and my son are already waiting for me. You'll meet them again, but not yet. Not yet. Yes. Not yet. the afterlife connected those two slaves who were fighting for their lives being unjustly treated just like John the baptizer and Jesus the Christ but they had hope their hope was to see their wife and children again for Maximus, it was in heaven. Our hope in the not yet period is to see God. Is to see God. It makes all the difference here. Let me sum up everything by this statement here. Purity of heart allows one to live in the full expectation of seeing God in heaven while at the same time fully engaging in and trusting God in the not yet reality of life on earth. Pray with me. So God, we come to you wanting to be a part of your kingdom, wanting to be a faithful part, a humble part, a meek part, a seeking you part, a merciful part. A, a peaceful part. Father, we want that now in us so that the world can see you in us, but we want more to see you on that day 
when you call us to be in the pure light of your existence. So, Father, we ask you to be with us while we're not yet there. Bless us, Father, in the name of Jesus and in the power of your Holy Spirit. We ask these favors from you, our God. Amen.